Hi, I'm Tanya Estes and welcome to Tales from the Moon Tower, a podcast that brings you stories about Texas history that you never got in school, including unsung heroes, amazing ladies, myths, legends, true crime, and tales that still haunt us. Today I need to preface the episode with a trigger warning. The descriptions of lynchings are truthful but graphic. It is a gruesome part of our history, but one that should never be forgotten. So I interview E.R. Bills, who details the history of these burnings and the relevance they still have today in his book, Black Holocaust, The Paris Horror and Legacy of Texas Terror. You can find this and other books by E.R. Bills in my Tales from the Moon Tower bookshop at www.bookshop.org slash Tales from the Moon Tower. I will also have photos, links, and more information about this episode on my website at www.talesfromthemoontower.com. Now, on to the show. All right, I am here with ER Bills. I want to thank you for coming on the show today to talk to us about some history that we should know, but we don't. So thank you and welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on. So, E.R., you have a few books out that do a brave, deep dive, if you will, into some dark parts of Texas history. And the reason why I say it's brave is because there's always the question of denial when it comes to things that we don't want to accept about our own history. And one of the books that you talked about, or that you wrote, rather, was The Slocum Massacre. And we will be talking with constant Joanne about that as well. But you wrote another book called Black Holocaust, The Paris Horror and the Legacy of Texas Terror. Can you tell the uh, listeners what that book is about? Um, well, let me give you a little background first. So, so yes, I wrote the 1910 Slocum Massacre and Active Genocide in East Texas, and that came out in, I guess, 2014. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when I was researching that book, uh, I was working on regional context, and of course, before, of course, the Jack Johnson heavyweight championship, you know, um, took place, uh, which, you know, fired up a lot of white citizens across the country. But also in the months leading up to the Slocum massacre, um, several African Americans have been burned at the stake in Texas, like one a month, really. Um, <sighs> yeah, and I was like, whoa, that's that's crazy, you know. I I, I think I might have had some anecdotal knowledge about uh, Jesse Washington having been burned at stake in Waco in 1915, but I just really had no idea how how common it was, especially in East Texas. So so as I wrote this sort of regional context for the Slocum Massacre book, you know, and I was doing the research, you know, these days we do research on these um, newspaper archives and punching in, you know, Af- well, back then they referred to as Negroes, Mm-hmm. You know, Negro burned at the stake, you know, in Texas, you know, before I sp- specified it to a year, just a, a whole bunch popped up oh and, my gosh. and all over. And I was like, whoa, wow. And I was like, I, I, I didn't have time really to spend the most, most of my effort on them because I was trying to finish the Slocum Massacre book, mm-hmm. but, but I made note of it and I thought I would really, somebody should look into that. So after the Slocum Massacre book came out, I, I told the my publisher that I wanted to look into this and they thought it was actually a pretty good idea. Um, so that's what I did. And that's how I wound up uh, researching this 
horrific subject. I just was curious because, you know, even the Salem witch trials, you know, there are rumors that people were burned at the stake, you know, witches. No, there weren't. Um, they were in Scotland. Um, I yes. think it was Scotland. So America did not do that, but that was a right. practice that was that was held exactly. in other places. Yeah. I also talked about this with um, people who are interested in female history and uh, because I told them, I said, I, that we've seen this burning phenomenon before, you know? Yeah. Heretics and, and folks and, and intellectuals in Europe also were burned at the stake. So it wasn't just yeah. supposed witches, but yeah, some of that did go on over in Europe and uh, it's, it's gone on in some other places around the world, I guess. I haven't done, you know, really a deep dive into that subject, but the fact that it had gone on here, you know, was really shocking to me. And then, you know, at one point I was trying to research the entire country, the number that it occurred, but I, I abandoned that and just focused on Texas, which was, was more than horrific enough because we're talking about dozens of human beings. Absolutely. And I don't know if you came across this either when you've talked about this book, but I was, you know, discovering this topic was is pretty new to me it was I came across your book by accident and I was very pleased you wanted to talk about this because it is critical that we know our history but somebody was sort of flippant and said well lynchings happened all the time and I said well you know hanging is not super it's not <laughs> hanging isn't awesome or anything but it is but burning someone at the stake is a next level of torture that is profound you know it's symbolic of hell at the same time that the person endures and oh, it, was, it was much worse than that you make an yeah. excellent point though because you know there are lots of people that have looked at lynchings around the country in fact there's a website here run by a friend of mine uh, jeffrey littlejohn it's called lynching in texas and it basically covers all the lynchings in texas um but you know lynchings they didn't discriminate. You know, they hung, they hung white people. They, 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 sorry, hanged. They hanged black people. They hanged white people. They hanged brown people. You know, they hanged everybody. Lynching, it wasn't, there was no real discrimination. They hanged women. There was no real discrimination. But this burn to the stake was reserved for, for people of color. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just a matter of, of lighting, you know, a match you know, well, co sorry, covering them with kerosene and lighting the match and burning them, okay? Um, what they got into the habit of doing, you know, especially after the first couple of lynchings, they want it to really be, they want it to really be hellish. So, so they would, they would start the fire and burn their feet and ankles real good. Then they would throw dirt on it and let it go down a little. Oh my God. Start it again. And if they were hung, if they were suspended by chains, they would lower them down into the fire, then raise them up. So they would burn slowly and, and, and the effect would be worse. And then these, these, again, human beings, you know, screaming for their lives, begging to be shot. In one case, a guy was strapped to a, a railroad, you know, tie, I'm sorry, uh, a railroad rail. And he was trying to bang his brains out on the back, you know, his head on the, on the rail to stop the suffering because yeah. they'd been burning for like 40 minutes and so, and while this is going on, he's screaming and moaning and wailing, and people are are laughing and taunting him. This is this is beyond next level. This is monstrosity. It absolutely this is absolute monstrosity. And you just run out of superlatives. You know, the worst, the grimmest, the direst, the most 
grotesque. You run out of superlative to describe how bad this was. And, and, and the thing is, what's really sad, I'm talking about our forebears. I'm talking right. about our ancestors here in Texas who did this. And to my, into the 20th century. Yes, you know. into the 20th century, se- several, uh, you know, at least a dozen, maybe two. In one case, in Sherman, there was a, there was a black suspect that I'm not sure he was accused of anything terribly serious. They say he, well, later they said he ass- assaulted a white woman, but I'm not even sure he did that. Some, some white farmer wasn't paying him. His name was George Hughes. But anyway, you know, the, uh, they got him to the courthouse. The Texas Rangers came to protect, to protect him including Frank Hamer, the legendary Texas Ranger, and the citizens of Grayson County in Sherman, they attacked <laughs> they attacked the Texas Rangers. Then they burned down the courthouse trying to get to this this black suspect. Oh well gosh. they right, then they, they kind of smuggled him well, he was stuck up in a they put him in a what do they call that? Uh, a vault. So mm-hmm. they finally got to the vault and got him down. Well by that time, you know, the the fire department showed up. These these folks cut the fire department's hoses, burned down their old courthouse, and found this black man unconscious, and then took him out and burned him alive. There's a picture of it, actually, in the Black Holocaust book. But um, anyway, they they burned down their own courthouse and then burned this guy alive um, and attacked the militia, attacked the fire department, attacked the Texas Rangers. And then, of course, later they tried to claim claim it on their insurance. <laughs> to get the money back to rebuild the stupid courthouse. Wow. But it was an insane and, and in fact, here's okay, people today, you know, talk about the, oh, the riots and oh the terrible things. Yeah. I a was lot thinking of crazy the same things thing. Have, yeah, a lot of crazy things have happened in Texas, okay, over the years. But in Sherman, in Grayson County at that point, the governor of the state of Texas declared martial law in Sherman, Texas, and you could not white people could not congregate in groups of more than three anywhere around the courthouse because they were so out of control. You talk about destruction of property and life. I'm not sure there's there's a tale to match that here. Wow. But but see, we conveniently forget the stuff that portrays some of our bad behavior. Well, so I know that when you're doing research, you sometimes come across blockades of people trying to prevent your access to that research or the validity of what you find. Did you find that happening with this? Well, yes and no. I mean, <laughs> um, in the case of the Slocum Massacre book, I was I experienced, you know, some 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 hostility, conscious and I both, especially yeah. from the local historical commission. But in this case, some of the stuff people you know, the the older white folks usually that are running these historical commissions, folks that I talked to in Kuntz, for example, where they where, where was it was the last spot they burned somebody at stake in Texas in 1933. They basically were very straightforward. It's not something they discussed. But when I asked the guy that worked there, he said, yeah, he goes, it's a shame because after they burned this young man at the stake, you know, a few years later, a dying white man committed to the crime that this black man had been accused of on his deathbed. So they were very, they were forthcoming. There are people out there that, that know things and, and, and yeah. would like to come forward if, if they could, or, or try to when there's an opportunity, but, but mostly, you know, people, you know, keep, keep their cards close to their vest and they don't want to talk about it. Those lynching postcards and, uh, you know, pieces of, 
for example, pieces pieces of the rope that bound one of the the burning at the stake victims you can find in the Dallas Public Library special collections. You can also find actual photos of a lynching or sorry, burn at the stake in Corsicana, Texas. You know, and when I actually when I called Corsicana and talked to the local sheriff, he said he knew the one of the older former sheriffs. And I called that guy and he said, no, I, I don't have them. And uh, or he wasn't going to let me see him, but everybody knew he had them. But I was able to find them alternatively at the Dallas Public Library, so I got lucky. But so there's there's some uh, there's some there's some hesitance um, to talk about these things and uh, and to deal with them. Well, so that's I mean that's actually one of the reasons why I have my podcast is one to engage people in Texas history. I had never felt engaged before. I never felt connected to anything in Texas history before until I just started poking around cemeteries and found them interesting and and started doing some digging. I was a librarian. My career was as a librarian, and so. I started finding stories that are never told. And I think um, that it's really wonderful that you're out there because this is dark history, um, but that you're out there making sure it's researched and recorded because these are stories that need to be told. Well, I think, you know, it's sort of, I'm a, I'm a freelance journalist. I was trained in college to be a journalist and but I, but I would equate myself more to like a jogger, maybe on a jogging trail there in Austin or mm-hmm. or even around here uh, up in Fort, Fort Worth where I live um, or outside of Fort Worth. You know, you're jogging, you stumble upon a body. It could be fresh or it could be 100 years old. You stumble upon it. If the history, you don't worry about the history behind it, you know, but basically your job is to make somebody aware of it. I don't consider my job much, much different as a journalist. Mm-hmm. I stumble onto some of these stories. And it's sort of my job to tell them. And then it's it's sort of the the job of the Texas, you know, public, the citizenry, you know, to uh, make themselves aware. I mean, they should know what's gone on uh, and have a better context for for an understanding of where we sort of came from and where Mm -hmm. we're headed and why some of the things are going on today, you know, are happening. Right. Right. uh, I think they absolutely have have residual effects. Yeah, exactly. You have these pockets here you know, still in Texas, where if you have black friends who've lived here for a while, they know not to go. Right. Still today, they know you shouldn't drive through there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, 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 that's not just creepy. And, and there, it's not just menacing and uh, reprehensible. It's, it's also embarrassing. You it know, is. are we, you know, <laughs> Are we that back? Are we still that backwoods in places? Are we okay with that? Is that who we really are? I don't. Right. I, I'm not. I don't buy into that. I mean, I, if that's the case, I'd like it to change. Well, um, and so when somebody said, you know, you you see these things too. Uh, we'll just move on. You know, why why are you dwelling on it? And that, and for me. And I don't know about you, but for me, the same idea of, well, why don't you just move on from a Confederate statue? Like, why are you hanging on to that? But we can't talk about this dark part of our history. And I'm sure that you come across some weird things, too. I mean, you're a white man writing about racial injustice in our history. So I'm sure you come across some strange feedback or kickback from this. Yeah, I'll tell you a story right quick, and I'll try to make it real quick. But when I was engaged with the Anderson County, Anderson County Historical Commission talking about 
the Slocum Massacre when I first contacted them because I was trying to get more information. And I was talking to this old man, the guy who run it. His name was Jimmy Odom. And uh, he was in his 80s. I'll say this for him. He was a real straight shooter. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I get this guy on the phone. And I'm talking to him. And I'm saying, you know, I want to I want to tell the story or try to tell the story of Slocum Massacre. He said, well, there's really not much to tell. You know, it's a bunch of newspapers up north kind of blew it out of proportion. And I said, you know, I, I don't know about that, uh, Mr. Odom. I said, I've I've uncovered a lot of things. You know, it looks like something really terrible happened here. And I, I I'm. I'd like to get to the bottom of it. And yeah. he said, well, again, no, it's, it was exaggerated. It was just that. And I said, I said, I don't know. And, 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 and he, he responded sort of caught me off guard. He goes, are you with the NAACP? And I said, wow. <laughs> I said, no, I said, no, I'm not. I said, but I may share some of their views. I said, I, I'm not with the NAACP. And, and mm-hmm. he said, well, those folks came through here a while back. They were complaining about the Confederate flag on our courthouse and blah, blah, blah. And, and I don't truck with those folks. And I said, I don't, I don't either. But, you know, I think something really bad happened here. And, <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to tell the story. So we, he hemmed and hawed and we went back and forth, right? And then finally, we were sort of at impasse and there was an un- uncomfortable silence. And then all of a sudden, I'll never forget, he said, aren't you a white man? And so <laughs> I was kind of I was kind of dumbfounded by that. But you know what? I was pretty quick on my feet. I said, yeah, yeah, I, I am a white man. I said, but I'm also a human being. Yeah. And the folks who died in the Slocum Massacre were human beings. And I said, I'm going to tell this story, whether you guys help me with it or not. Right, right. Good. I'm glad you stood up us. to that. We didn't. They didn't help us. And I went on to tell the story. And that's how a lot of this stuff, this stuff is, you know, a lot of the white folks. It's not just a matter that they're that they don't want it talked about or that they're ashamed of it. And in some cases they're not ashamed of it, but also they, they're, they're fearful of the, the sort of black cloud, you know, or dark cloud that it puts over their community. Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't know what to tell you about that. I would take Germany's example, get out in front of it. Absolutely. Yes, we did, this. Yes, we did that. We're going to try to make amends. We're going to, you know, you're not you're not going to fly. We're not going to fly that flag. You're not going to be allowed to make that gesture. You know, they came clean and look at them now. Right. They want to be better humans. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, they're really a, an impressive state in the world now. I mean, they're it's amazing the things they're doing. And by 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 trying to cover up this history, denying that these things happen or trying to defend some of the monstrous. And I, I, I don't say that, you know, with any with any pleasure, but some of the monstrous acts and some of the atrocities that were committed, we're not doing ourselves any favorite. I mean, sorry, any favors. It all comes out in the wash. And, uh, and we need to, I wish we'd just, you know, come clean about most of these things tomorrow, but the, the state of the state, so to speak right now, and the politics and, and, and a lot of the citizenry, they, they just, they're not having it. They don't want to hear it. They think they're being discriminated, you know, guys like me, not me personally, but the the big doughy white guys, the, <laughs> they think yeah. they're the ones that are being discriminated against. It's the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, I, I'm just so glad that, I mean, because every we need allies too, you know, and that you're out there doing this work. Um, I wanted to kind of reverse back a little bit because there's so many things to talk about, and yes, especially in this charged moment. 
to go back to the history that you uncovered. So not only did you uncover burning at the stake, but your book talks about the carnival atmosphere that was present in these burnings. Right. And we also skipped over, you know, why should we look back? And I, I should say about that. And I forgot to, you know, it wasn't just a matter of the last burn at the stake in 1933 or, or one of the worst ones in 1893 or even of jesse washington in 1915 the communities that got away with these monstrosities with these atrocities you know and 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 all those lynching postcards that were published they were passed around like heirlooms in these in these communities people weren't ashamed until they were forced to be but if you were an african-american lived in those communities if you didn't flee outright because many of them did to places Mm -hmm. like chicago and stuff you know then you you sort of tiptoed around because you know white people in that community committed atrocities and got away with it they got away with it absolutely and they still are that's why we have the uh, revolution outside our window how dare you challenge us you know i mean there is that aspect of it today they're still like it's like they in their own way they deny white privilege privilege exists at, at the very same moment they're saying how dare you question us or how right. dare you challenge and you know give me a break but right anyway, so the other part of the question um so yeah that was the other thing in the case of henry smith's burning at the stake and this one is probably the single worst um uh, a young girl disappeared he was accused of uh, sexually assaulting her she was two and a half i think but and I'm not sure he didn't do it. I, it. That never is demonstrated. What would have maybe been useful if they'd have bothered to have a trial? But right. see, while, while they were looking for this guy, they weren't planning on having a trial. They built a scaffold out in the field while they were still looking for him. They found him in Arkansas and brought him back on a train. They'd already built the scaffold in the field, and the words justice were written on it. So they paraded him through the town, and then they took him to this uh, this scaffold. And on that day, 10 to 15,000 white folks were out there, um, and it was cold and drizzly. 10 to 15,000. Let's just stop and think about that for a second. Yeah, there are pictures, and there are a lot of, lot of people there. It's crazy. But there were – people were let out of school. It was like a holiday. Oh you God. know, the kids were let out of school, and, and businesses shut down, and they go out there for this main event, okay? And this was – this is sick, so, you know, brace yourself. Right. Oh, I'm going to have a trigger warning before this episode, (laughs) like before our interview on the episode starts. Okay. Well, so they get this guy out there and they, by that time, he's confessing to anything and everything. They get him up there and he's confessing. They have these things called tenor furnaces, tenor's furnaces. What they are are bucket spot coals with long iron rods in them. So they set those on the scaffold. They tie him to a stake in the middle of the scaffold. Then they take they relay the fact that he's confessed again. The father's up there. They invite the uncle, and then they invite the father's 12-year-old son. No police are up there. They let the family, the family of the victim, up there, and then they, they, a few politicians step up there and speechify, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then the then the punishment begins. No trial, which he which he would have lost anyway, because all the juries were white. That's what doesn't make sense to me. Except, well, I'll get to that in a minute. But anyway, so. They take these those these red hot irons out of these tenor's furnaces and they start at his feet. They burn the soles of his feet and they start burning up his ankles. By the time they get to his chest and arms, 
they they've they've gained some knowledge. Just pressing it onto his skin is it enough? They're pressing these red hot burning irons against his skin and then rolling them so that his skin peels up. So when they get up to his neck and around his head, he's passed out. You know, I'm sure there was a tremendous the the epidermal you know trauma. Right. He passes out. Well, in a spectacle like this, you can't have that. You know, before he was yelling and screaming and the crowd was hooting and hollering at him and and shouting him down and laughing. But when he passes out, that's too much. So the next move, you know, the father takes one of these hot iron rods. They keep placing them back in the tenor's furnaces and basically pushes one into each eye socket and burns his eyes out. That wakes him up, of course. And then they then they take one. And as he's weakly screaming, they shove one down his throat. And so after all that, you know, they light the scaffold on fire and and it burned for a minute, but he's tied to this stake on top of the scaffold by rope. Well, it burns free, so he falls off the scaffold onto the ground and he's blackened like coal. But he's there's still something alive at him. He's still he's still contorting and twisting, trying to get away from the flames and the coals. So they kick him and lash him and push him back into the flame. And then after the whole thing's over, people hang around to collect bits and pieces of his teeth and bone. You know? Oh my God. Souvenirs. I mean, it was crazy. Yes, the souvenirs. It was a crazy scene. And then the next day across the country, not unlike some of the crazy stuff that's happening here today, you know, uh, George Floyd, whoever. Okay? Mm-hmm. Newspapers across the country report on this. And of course, a lot of them in Texas and the South are saying, well, this N-word deserved it. This is how you keep them away from our white women or our white children or whatever. And then, They're saying that even with Trayvon Martin, though. Well, oh, he yeah. shouldn't have been wearing a hoodie. He shouldn't. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, sure. there's still excuses. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Being made for brutality on the streets. So this exactly. is why it matters, you know. And that's why that's going to get something really dark here in a second, okay? Um, but anyway, so, so this guy... But then papers up north are saying, you know, the headline in the in the Boston, I think it's the Boston Post or the Herald. I can't remember. It's in the book. But the headline in their newspaper front page was civilization seemingly dead in Texas, you know, because. Wow. That, that was really an act that was suggested. But, yeah, what's crazy about that behind all these lynchings, it seems like there was this they used that excuse, you know, uh a threat to white women, you know, usually it was an attack of a white woman or looking at a wrong, you know, uh, you know, and a black man got burned at the stake. That was almost always a factor in these lynchings, these horrific burning lynchings involving fire. The really sick and crazy thing about that to me is that mm-hmm. back then white, white men could rape black women at will and they had no recourse mm-hmm. and it wasn't black men that were raping white women it was right. exactly the opposite mm-hmm. and no, that's exactly it, right yeah it's it's incredible it's in, it's totally insane um so and i talk about that in the book too and, and anyway back to the henry smith cape what's so weird to me most of these guys you have a trial they're gonna lose women can serve on juries women of color or otherwise could not Mex- serve on juries. Mexican Americans and black men, black citizens couldn't serve on juries. They were all white men. So it doesn't matter. They would have probably got convicted in every case anyway, and they could have done it legally. 
but they chose to do it extra legally before there was a trial. And in the case of Henry Smith, it, all, it always made me wonder. And it, actually, in a lot of the cases, they were in such a ru rush to burn these guys. It almost suggested to me that some prominent white man was involved and pushed these proceedings to keep it from being investigated. It never made sense to me because they were going to, they were going to, the black man or the suspect, the black suspect, were going to lose the, the case anyway and right. die. But the white people couldn't wait. I, I, I it just, it was always no, very suspicious. I think that's exactly that. I think it's a very good point is that why, why not even mete out justice? I mean, and I think you're right. They probably are hiding truth on purpose. Oh yeah. And at least 60 or 70% of these cases, you know, the black men were innocent, maybe more. You know, I think probably in. more, <laughs> you yeah. know, because all they really ever have to do, even now, again, I mean, even now when we have things on video, oh, they yeah. still find a reason to, you know, assign blame to the victim. There's just never going to be a point where they don't do that, you know, and they're harassing people minding their own business. You sure. Know? You know? So I know that when they had you know, free reign to lynch, you know, that they just deployed that liberty, you know, ad nauseum. Sure. Sure. And yeah. so, so we've had, we have this, this horrible historical record here. Um, and it's, it's even our elected, some of our elected officials, including one that's in the news down there in Austin, James Hogg, governor mm -hmm. James Hogg, he came out real strong against these lynchings and these burns to stake, he did practically everything in his power to try to, to try to get the legislation passed, et cetera, et cetera. But he just, he didn't have enough folks on his side. So right. there were, and, and there were cases of journalists trying to stop the procession, you know, and, and other black men saying, Hey, you got the wrong guy and getting beat up, you know, or beat down. You right. know, there were people that tried to stand up to the mob, but you know, and of course, really that's what we're talking about today is mobs, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. a mob mentality. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's sad. I can't believe we're still re revisiting some, you know, these various forms of communal neurosis, of cognitive dissidence, of selective amnesia. You know, you'd like to say, well, we're, we're better than that, or, or we've evolved in some way, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not convinced. No, and that's why I think it's so valuable that you're out there doing this work because there there are so many glorifications um, of history, of Texas history that are deeply romanticized non-facts. You know, <laughs> there's, oh, yeah. hero there's heroism aside or assigned to uh, non-heroes. There's heroism aside assigned to Disney interpretations of events and I think it's super important to get to the bottom of this and I was in education like I said and I never saw anything close to this kind of history being discussed and it really needs to be so I'm very thankful that you're out there doing this work well I appreciate your your kind words but it's <laughs> it's really in my opinion sort of all our jobs I mean yes our, our history has been whitewashed and you know what I don't think Every, you know, there's been a lot, a lot of bad things happen here that white folks are responsible for, but not all the white folks are bad folks and not all of them were involved. But, uh, you know, the quotes about standing up, you, you, you can't stand aside and let things happen, even if they happen 100 years ago. You know, you need right. to try to be all of us. 
black, white, brown. We need to try to be on the right side of history. Oh, you know, thank you. Yes. I mean, that's the that's the job as a parent, as a citizen, you know, as a teacher, which is tough considering our textbooks. Right. But, uh, you know, you, you should try to strive to be on the right side of history. And it is it is stultifying. It is it is stunning how many people in Texas, the Texas that we all love, have no problem with being on the wrong side of the history, are proud of it. Oh, you know, where, and the flags they wave and the, yeah. You know, the people in the cages on the border, the you know, the young yes. people, you know, the uh, some of the stuff that's happened to African-Americans still going on today. Yes. Um, some of the blackface images, some of the kids putting their their knees on the necks of friends to, mm-hmm. to sort of mock the, the death of, you know, uh, George Flo- Floyd. Um, there's a ton of stuff going on that you'd think if we were really decent folk, if we were really fair-minded folk, the, the way the way people like to think we are, that we we wouldn't put up with this. We have we, Texas we sheriffs that. doing that. We have Texas, know. you know, Texas sheriffs so like, posting those things too. So it's who are we? I mean, are right. we even a good place to live anymore? I, I really wonder sometimes. People don't understand. It's oh, we've got to stand up for this, stand up for that. I've got to take this gun to Home Depot with me, and you know, right? You know, I've got to protect. Protect what? Your lies? Protect yeah. your lies? Protect your ridiculous privilege? Well, and, you know, coming, I think it's important, um, you know, like I said, that you know, you're representing somebody who's unafraid to look at the the history, you know, of white men in Texas. So, and, and acknowledge what it is and, and write about it and make sure that it's not forgotten. So, you know, and that's important. That's what an ally does, you know. All we can do. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, your. At the end of the day, I don't want to say one more thing. At the oh, end of sure. the day, we really are in this all together. <laughs> you yes. know, we all people have different goals, but at the end of the day, in the big picture, we're all in this together, and we're not going to make it out of it without yeah. each other. What out of whatever mess we're in, out of whatever the problems we face, we're going to have to work together. And so right. this separatism, these little groups, you know, white nationalists, give me a break. Anyway, I appreciate you having me on. I'm sorry. Sorry to prattle on like I did. <laughs> no, that's exactly not. You did not prattle on. This is what we are here to talk about because it needs to be talked about. And I'm and in point of view matters. You know, this it, it's um, I think particularly in Texas and particularly in the South, you know, these this point of view gets um, dismissed and often shot down. So it's, yeah. you know, there's no prattling. It's a point of view that needs it's it's time to have this this platform, you know, so that's fine. I'm so appreciative that you were here. I will definitely um, be adding your books. Uh, well, your books are already on my bookshop page for Tales from the Moon Tower. So I'm pointing people in that direction. Um, do you have anything that you're working on right now that you want to let us know? Yeah, I'm actually working on a book about it, 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 it segues into all this history, but it's a book that's going to be called, I think, Texas Oblivion. And it's about all the mysterious disappearances in Texas really over the last about 100 years. Folks that have just vanished and never oh. turned back up, and they've kind of been forgotten. You know, they've been consigned to oblivion, so to speak. And yeah. uh, it's uh, it's kind of amazing, all the stories that are out there and, and that are no longer discussed or, you know, um, addressed. And, uh, and, and some of it's, some of it involves some of the same kind of history we're talking about. It's, it's frightening. 
Well, whenever whenever that book is out, we need to have you back on the show. So I'll be <laughs> talk about that. I'll be listening to your podcast, so I'll stay in touch. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you, ma'am. Thanks so much for tuning in to Tales from the Moon Tower. If you like this episode, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and SoundCloud. Each review helps people find the show. You can also connect with Tales from the Moon Tower on Instagram and Facebook, and you can visit the website at www.talesfromthemoontower.com to find out more about the show. The link to our bookshop is there too, where any purchase you make helps support the podcast as well as independent bookstores nationwide. Our merchandise shop is there too if you want to help support the podcast with fun things like shirts and stickers. That's our show, and thank you for listening.